All right, welcome in to episode two of Bowl Season for college football. R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Taylor McCard. Taylor, how you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm sitting here sweating my best bet of the last week uh, live watching UTSA. It uh, looks like they're about to get scored on here, but hoping this one comes to fruition. And uh, yeah, excited to be back covering some more bowls. Uh, well, let's talk about what last last week we were a little off schedule because you were in London. And the big announcement is baby boy on the way. That's right. We do. We've got uh, we've got a little baby boy on the way due in May. So um, very exciting. I know, AJ, I think you've got a couple boys. So I'll be I guess, asking for advice from you. Don't leave them outside unattended uh, <laughs> until they're like until they're at least three. Apparently, that's a big I think that advice applies for you as well, right? Yeah, it's frowned upon apparently by the <laughs> law. Uh, but congratulations, man, and uh, and good job. Not you know you know making sure that that baby's not going to hatch during football season. That's a that's a well planned. That's exactly right. That was what was most important. That's right. All right, let's get into the bulls. Uh, my best bet last week is a loser, Old Dominion. Womp womp. I think I was right on the motivation angle, and you saw them fight to the very end. I just think that they they're just not good enough. And I, I thought that the nine points was going to get it there, and and it almost did. Uh, and you could tell that they really, really wanted that game, but they just they couldn't get there in the end. So, uh, loser from my early bowls. Yours going literally as we record right now. Uh, UTSA and San Diego State in a dogfight, which I, I mean, close line. I think most people expected that would be the case. So let's get into this week's games and we'll start with the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. And I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and start on this one because this was going to be my best bet. And then the line jumped today from three and a half to six and a half on some news. And this, I, it's, I've made this bet already at three and a half. Uh, I, I, so, and I, I'm not saying I don't recommend it at six and a half. I I would, I'm not going to say it's my best bet when I've already got a ticket in at three and a half and say, yeah, people go out there and bang it away at six and a half, but army is going to kick the shit out of Missouri. And you, there's, here's, here's why for one, you never have to question the motivation of a service Academy team in a bowl game. None of these guys are sitting out for the draft. They're all excited to be here. You're not going to get a reduced effort from these service academy teams. I don't know if you can say the same thing for a 6-6 six and six Missouri team. And the Mizzou offense is basically Tyler Beatty. Well, guess what? He's not going to play. Uh, I, Missouri still – they don't have an option. They're still going to have to run the ball. It just won't be with the guy who's run the ball for them all year long. Uh, they, they are not going to beat you over the top. And that's the clear the clear weakness – in Army's defensive unit is is their secondary. In fact, Mizzou just announced also today that Brady Cook will be playing quarterback for them, redshirt red shirt freshman. So uh, Connor Basilic, who's been the starter most of the year, now Connor Basilic stinks, but they've they've basically said, well, son, you're not playing in this one. So Brady Cook going to get the start. So uh, Mizzou on the other side of the ball, Mizzou cannot get a stop against this against this run and. Missouri grades out 97th in PFF against the run. And just like every Army game, if you can't stop the run, you are dead. This game reminds me a bit, if you remember, the, and I think it was an Armed Forces Bowl about two or three years ago when Army played Houston. 
and it was a pretty decent Houston team. Their problem was they couldn't stop the run, and Army put up 70 on Houston. I think this could be a very similar situation. I, I don't know when Mizzou will get a stop. Uh, I, I, it's just a matter of how, how many possessions Army has. They keep their possession count pretty low typically. But I, I would bet that there's there's maybe one or two possessions that don't finish with an Army touchdown. I, I think Army rolls Mizzou. I, I love this game. This was the, the game that I had circled when the bowl games came out. Army minus six and a half against Mizzou. What are your thoughts on this one, Taylor? Yeah, I guess if you had asked me, you know, even a week ago or when the announcement came out, do you think Army is a touchdown better than Missouri? I would have said yes, absolutely. And it, it is purely because I don't think Missouri will stop Army. I think last I checked, Missouri was the worst run defense in the Power Five, and they may have been the worst run defense in the entire country. Um, I think back to Army playing Wake Forest earlier in the year where Army lost that game, but they they got theirs. They scored, I think, 56 in that game. And I think this is similar. And Missouri is – they're going to give you the ball a couple times. They, they will turn the ball over at some point in this game. And truly, don't be surprised if Army is not stopped. If they get their three or four possessions a quarter and they score every single time. So uh, I, I hear you on – you had the early ticket and then it jumped but I still like them at, at six and a half. Uh, think about this. If you're Missouri, you're six and six, you, you suck. And your best player says, nope, friends, I'm not playing. And Eli Drinkwood says he made the decision for Tyler Beatty because Tyler Beatty really needed to focus on the NFL draft. I'm sure Tyler Beatty's agent had nothing to do with it. But uh, now imagine you've got to go out there and you got to play in the, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. You're an SEC team. This isn't where you want it to be. You, you didn't want to be playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. Let's face it. Now, think about this. You're out there getting cut blocked all damn day. By, but, I mean, that's not – nobody wants to play that kind of football in an exhibition game. That's not fun, friends. And I don't know what I, – I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the weather, but this, this, is, this game's in Fort Worth, which people always think, oh, it's in Texas. The weather's going to be great. Any the Frisco Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, the, those those games usually the weather's not great. Uh, I I don't know if it's going to be cold, but if it is, I don't want to be out there in the cold getting cut blocked by a bunch of by a bunch of guys who aren't going to play in the NFL and just punking me out. I I think I think Missouri by, by about halftime will have quit. They're going to want nothing to do with this game. So uh, I'm with you. I, I still like it at six and a half. It, ju it just went from being my best bet on the pod and really my best bet of bowl season to I I'm just going to recommend it as a like. Speaking of the Frisco Bowl, let's get into that. Miami of Ohio. Uh, in, I'm, I want to uh, I, I pardon myself here. It's not the Frisco Bowl. This is a really fancy game. So they don't call it the Frisco Bowl. They call it the Frisco Classic. Yeah. Is this the made-up version, or is that the one that's on right now? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think this is the made-up version. I, I don't really know. Got it. Because one of them, they, they literally scrambled and created out of thin air. And I think that is yeah, the I think, classic. I think the Frisco Bowl is old school. That's that's what's being played right now. But the Frisco Classic is new. It's, that's that new-new. Uh, and it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant matchup between Miami of Ohio and North Texas. I know everybody's excited about this. 
now this is basically a home game for North Texas. I, I would guess Denton is probably about a 30 minute drive uh, from Frisco and uh, North Texas is going to run, 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 run. That's what they do. And that could, that could be, that could be a good thing in this game. Miami can't, Miami can't run the ball. And, you know, when you think about the, the, the fan standpoint, I think this is going to be, I don't think there's a bunch of Miami of Ohio fans to begin with in the whole wide world, much less do I think many will come down to Frisco, Texas for a bowl game. Uh, Miami has been without their starting quarterback in chunks this season, and they're they're a different offense with Brett Gabbard in the game. So this should be a better, you know, a better version of what we've seen from Miami of Ohio with Gabbard playing. North Texas, kind of like Old Dominion, who we talked about earlier, went on a crazy tear. They won five. They won their last five straight up and against the spread to make the bowl game. Here's what worries me: Seth Luttrell, winless in bowl games, zero and four. Uh, but then on the other side, Chuck Martin hasn't won a bowl game. Uh, Miami's Miami can stop the run, but can they stop it against a team that is just going to hammer them all day? Uh, this is kind of a clean stay away from me. I, I I don't have a lot of interest in betting MAC teams. So in the in these bowl games, I I, I don't feel great about backing Miami of Ohio here. I haven't felt great about ma- backing many MAC teams. Might have one later on that we'll get to. But I also don't really want to back this North Texas team, given Latrell's history. Which, when you once you get into like zero and four in bowls, it makes me question what's your like what's your preparation like? Are you doing something fundamentally wrong? And that's kind of what I'm the vibe that I'm getting here. Yeah, it's like we I, I said last week. I get the impression Seth Latrell strikes me absolutely as one of the staffs that like you get to your bowl game and they just turn you loose. Especially God, if you're playing in your hometown, I mean, good luck. You get those kids their bowl game stipend and then tell them. You've got a curfew. Good luck. Um, I I don't have a great feel on the spread on this game for for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. But I think on paper, if we were to power rank this, I would have Miami Ohio as the better team. But there is something to be said for North Texas winning the five straight to get to the ball. I had one of their games this year, and they had some tough early season losses. They lost a game to Liberty that they really should have won. They were the better team in that game, and they gave it away late. I I don't have a great – I mean, I could see North Texas coming out and winning this game outright, and, and they're the two-and-a-half-point dog in this game. What I do like is the over at 54-and-a-half. Uh, Miami, Ohio has scored over 33 points in five of their last six games. That was something that jumped out to me, and I don't think – I mean, there's nothing about this North Texas defense that screams they're going to get a bunch of stops. And then on the flip side – I think North Texas playing much better offensive football in the back half of the season. Ani, their quarterback, who former professional baseball player, the guy's like 28 years old, playing much better football in the back half of the year. So I like if, if there was anything that I would lean towards in this game, it would be the over at 54 and a half. Don't have a great feel on that spread at two and a half. All right, let's get into a much bigger bowl, a much more prestigious bowl, the Union Home Mortgage. Gasparilla Bowl. That's not even like the biggest mouthful of all the bowl games, I don't think, but it's up there. Uh, Florida against Central Florida. We'll go ahead and call it a seven-point spread. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Well, I struggle with this one as well because how motivated is Florida going to be for this game? I I did see earlier, I believe this week, or this may have even been last week, it was announced that they had already achieved a sellout for this game. I think it's great that these teams are so close to one another and they're getting to play 
so close to home for both of them. So the, the environment should be great for a bowl game between two teams that you know really aren't very good. UCF quietly getting back to a respectable eight and four year after, you know, during September, everyone sort of wrote them off, uh, got back to a schedule that yeah, I think a lot of people forgot about them. I, I certainly did. Both of these teams, though, against the spread, you know, four and eight against the spread for UCF, three and nine against the spread for Florida. And in this game, UCF is a touchdown dog. If there was anything that I would lean towards, it would be that. I think Florida is the better team. I think Florida likely wins this game. But do I feel good about giving them a, a full touchdown over you know, really anybody that's bowl eligible? No, I don't. Um, the, the big thing, again, that I worry about for this Florida team is motivation. This is the exact – you talked about Missouri going to Fort Worth to play in the Armed Forces Bowl. Florida is a team that these kids are getting recruited to try and go win the SEC East and compete for the Final Four. Are they going to have any care whatsoever in playing in a, a bowl game where they're 6-6? Six and six? Uh, So if there was anything I would lean towards in this game, it would be UCF plus 7. Yeah, motivation certainly the key here. I, here's what I think. Well, first of all, Emory Jones is going to play despite announcing he's going to enter the transfer portal, which is good news for Florida because Anthony Richardson had surgery. He's out. But I just don't think Central Florida is good. Like, I know they were supposed to be good before the season, and, you know, losing Gabriel was brutal. Mikey Keene has good stats, but I'm not sure he doesn't suck, too. He has twice as many turnover-worthy plays as interceptions, so I think he's been a little bit lucky. I, I think some regression is coming for him. And then on defense, Central Florida grades out 110th in tackling. They can't stop the run. And that's going to be a problem against a Florida team that's going to want to run the ball all day. Now, Florida can't stop the run either. Uh, and But here's the other side of that. Everything I've read is that Isaiah Bauer is not going to play. That's something to monitor, I think, if you want to, if you want to bet on Central Florida. You need Isaiah, Isaiah Bauer to be playing. But I'm, I agree with you. This comes down to motivation. And Florida quit on their season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But I think more importantly, they quit on Dan Mullen. So uh, it, it, with a new coaching staff, maybe that mo- that maybe there's a motivation angle there. Maybe these Florida kids want to impress the new coaching staff. Or, or maybe they just want to say, this is how shitty Dan Mullen was. We're not a bad football team. Uh, but I, I think there's also the, the side of, let's face it, most of these kids at Central Florida probably wanted to go to Florida and didn't get recruited by Florida. So there's some motivation there. I'm with you. It's mostly a stay away from me. Although I think if I had a lean, I would probably lean to the Gators. I'm with you 100%. All right. Let's look at the early post Hawaii Bowl. Memphis minus eight and a half uh, against Hawaii. And I'll I'll start with this one. I've, I've got a pretty good feel on this game. And, you know, you can call me out if you think I'm wrong here, but uh, Memphis isn't going to have their best player, which sucks. Calvin Austin is a, a legit NFL wide receiver. They're going to miss him, certainly. But this Todd Graham situation has gotten about as bad as it can get for Hawaii. Like players talking about not loving football anymore because of their coach. I don't, uh, this is the one game where I don't think we have to question who, who's got the motivation here. The two most important guys to Hawaii, Cordero, uh, Shavon Cordero, their quarterback, and, and Day-Day Hunter, both out. I, and I think Hawaii is just a bad team. Uh, Hawaii's bad against the pass. Oh, guess what? Their best co- uh, corner, their cover corners, out for this game. So Seth Hennigan should be able to have some success. 
the the numbers kind of pushing up out of my comfort zone. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of obviously a lot of Hawaii opt outs and that that's moving the number. But think about this: you're you're talking about a Hawaii team who doesn't want to play for their coach anymore. They're playing in their practice facility because the big stadium's not even done yet. Like, what's the motivation for Hawaii? Where do you find any motivation? Your quarterback's out. Your best running back's out. Your best cornerback's out. You hate your coach. What? Where does the motivation come from? I don't see it. Uh, and it's Christmas Eve on top of everything else. You know, at least the Memphis kids get a trip to Hawaii out of this thing. It's I, like, what is Hawaii getting out of this whole thing? I don't see it. What am I missing here? I don't know that you're missing anything. And it's a Hawaii defense that already was – has struggled most of the year. It's a defense through the air that averaged almost 300 yards per game. And that's the unit that I worry about in this game. The flip side that I don't know how you measure this Hawaii gets to play at home. They get to play in Hawaii. And you and I both know, we talked about them a lot this season, how much different it is for them when they're playing on the Island versus when they're playing on the mainland. And we talked about them when they went and I had them as one of my, picks of the week when they went and played UNLV and lost outright, I think by two scores in that game. However, they get to play at home, Memphis traveling there. Like you said, it's on Christmas Eve. If there's actually a side that I would lean to in this one, I think it would probably be Hawaii. I think the eight and a half, are they able to keep this within a touchdown or so, or even if they lose by seven, it wouldn't surprise me, but do they get run out of the gym by a 6-6 six and six Memphis team that started pretty hot, had a couple good wins early in the year, but really in conference play was underwhelming. There wasn't anything about this team in the back half of the schedule that screamed, yes, I have a ton of confidence in them to go really beat anybody soundly in a bowl game, especially I think it's, it is difficult to beat, like we said, we've talked about it all year. It is it is hard to beat Hawaii on the island, and I, I would – for this Memphis team, eight and a half is too much for me to give them. All right. Well, a little disagreement there. I'm I'm for it. Let's go to Christmas Day, which I'm glad there's a bowl game on Christmas Day. I mean, who cares what these who cares about these kids' families and stuff? That's ridiculous. Who can worry about that? Let's look at the Camellia Bowl. Georgia State, a six point favorite against Ball State. And I was really high on Ball coming into the season. They've been pretty disappointing, and I rode them last year, and they ended up winning the MAC. I, like I was, I was high on them then, and they they performed for me. Uh, and mostly, it's Drew Plitt. Drew Plitt, the quarterback, he's supposed to take a step forward this year, and he just didn't. It was an overall disappointing year uh, coming off coming off that MAC championship. And on top of him being down, Ball was one of the worst, uh, like overall, the worst offenses in the MAC in a in a league where everybody plays offense. Ball was. Ball was pretty bad on that side of the ball. So they might have a hard time getting things going, but I don't know how many chances they're going to have. Georgia State, uh, they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Only the service academies run the ball more. And they won six of their last seven. They're playing at a pretty high level now after a pretty disappointing start. This Ball State team, 97th in rushing success on defense. So I I think this is kind of like the Mizzou Army game. I don't know how many stops there are going to be for Ball State. And when they do get stops, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with them. Yeah, this would have been – I have a a best bet. This would have been my second best of this stretch of of bowl games. I like Georgia State minus six a lot. 
And to me, this is this is two teams going in opposite directions in the back half of the year. Ball State lost three of their last five. They sort of limped into their bowl game. And Georgia State winning six of their last seven going into their bowl game. And for uh, some of the reasons you listed, especially Georgia State's ability to control the clock, I don't think Ball State gets that many chances. And I don't trust them on offense really at all. And so for all of these reasons that we laid out, I like Georgia State minus six in this game a lot. All right, there's some agreement. Let's move on to the Quick Lane Bowl, everyone's favorite bowl, the Quick Lane Bowl. Western Michigan against Nevada. And my first thought when this game came out was, ooh, I'm hammering the over on this thing. Now, I I didn't do it right away because I knew that this might be coming, and it did. Carson Strong's not going to play in this game for Nevada. He's going to the NFL. Okay. So that kind of turns me off the team total, but or off the, the full game total. But I, I think Western Michigan's team total over might be the way to go here in this game. They're going to score. Western Michigan's offense was elite. It Now, did it grade out elite at the end of the year? No, not really, because they, they struggled with turnovers and red zone scoring that that kept them from being like a top tier offense but that's all I mean I don't want to say a lot of that is luck but a lot of it is luck and Western even despite that they grade 24th in total offense per PFF Nevada is going to be without uh, without Carson Strong who might be a first round pick they're going to be without their head coach who's who took the Colorado State job they're going to be without their DC who left to Washington State they've got three wide receivers in the transfer portal they're tied in. Cole Turner, he's elected to opt out to prefer, prepare for the draft. There's so many questions with Nevada that even now that the line has totally flip-flopped and, and Western Michigan's now a seven-point favorite, I still would lean to them just because I have no idea what Nevada team is going to be out there. But my play on this game is going to be Western Michigan team total over 31. What do you see on this one? Yeah, I like that a lot. I also – I still like – Nevada to cover in this game I still like especially them at plus seven I think they're the better team certainly if strong was playing at quarterback this this game would look totally different if you made me pick on the at 56 for the over under I think I would take the over still as well but the, the piece that I really like is still Nevada at plus seven I think what they do schematically on offense it's it's similar to you know I think about Auburn at quarterback when you saw Bo Nix out with the backup in, how things really didn't change that much. I think there's going to certainly be a drop-off at Nevada between their quarterbacks, but stylistically what they do on offense, I still think they're going to get theirs even with their backup in the game. So I like them at plus seven. And again, I would lean towards the over at 56 on this one. All right, let's take a look at the military bowl. Boston College minus two and a half against East Carolina and Boston college was a different team with Phil Yurkovich under center. He missed six games. And even when he came back, he didn't look crisp. And that was a wrist surgery. So obviously it's not something that you're going to come back from and just be right, right out of the gate. But I think a little bit of time off, we may get a, a better version of him and the pirates defense can be had. They rank 95th nationally in yards per play allowed on defense. They're particularly bad against the run, 4.7 yards per carry. Not good against Boston College. They average 166 yards per game on the ground. 
their offensive line has two first team all ACC or all ACC players, and they're going up against a really small East Carolina front. And then on the other side, the secondary for Boston College is is very strong. The the fourth fewest passing yards per game in the country allowed, one hundred and seventy three and a half per game, and they've given up. 300 yards through the air one time this year. That was an overtime game against Missouri. And as good as, as Holton Aylers is at quarterback, he's, he's just going to have a hard time putting up big numbers here. I, I think that ECU will have a crowd edge. I think their fans are more likely to travel and be excited about this bowl game. But I, I don't think it's enough to overcome the talents, uh, talent differences here, especially with your Kovich back under center for Boston College. Yeah, I think we we disagree on this one as well. I, I I actually, if there was anything on here that I would consider sprinkling something on the money line, it would be this one with East Carolina. I, I would look at them at plus three. If you go back and look at East Carolina's losses this season, most of them took to good teams. I mean, even in conference, you talk about UCF, Cincinnati, App State out of conference, but a, a close loss with them as well. Their losses were for the most part, if you, even Cincinnati, they did lose by a couple scores ultimately in that game, but played them really tough for a long time. I believe it was either a pick six or a special teams score that kind of broke that game loose. But I think East Carolina is a, is a good team and they, they play hard. They give effort. And that's something that I look for once you get to these bowl games is which teams give a shit. I mean, that's the, the piece that sometimes you can't, it measures, it is so much more important once you get to the bowl games. I think plus three is a lot. I, I would take them. I think this is, to me, this is, is closer to a pick even with Jakovic in the game. But I like East Carolina to win this outright. All right. Oh, a little more uh, disagreement here. I'm liking it. All right. Let's look at the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Louisville minus one against Air Force. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Well, I was actually hoping that you would take the lead on this one because this is one of the ones, this is one of the ones that, to be honest with you, it would be a total stay away game for me. Uh, Air Force for most of the season has been a great team to lean on. I know I gave them out a couple times this season, but eight and four against the spread on the year. They love being in the underdog spot. I think they're comfortable in that spot. I think they very easily could win this game. But from a talent perspective, Louisville will, there will be a, a lot more speed on their side of the team. There's more athleticism and speed for Louisville than you will see from Air Force. But Air Force does the little things right. They rarely turn the football over. Would expect this to be a close game. And I think that line is about right. One and a half. I, I honestly could see this coming down to a field goal game. So for me, this is a, and on the, the 55 and a half for the points total, a total stay away game for me. I, I don't have a great feel for this one. I don't know if you do. I, yeah, I, actually, I like this game. I, I, this is a pretty simple handicap to me. As most service academy bowl games are, can you stop the run? And the answer for Louisville is no, not really. The 91st nationally in yards per carry allowed, 112th in run defense on PFF. Air Force is going to have success on the ground. And Malik Cunningham, it, they announced he is going to play in this bowl game. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he's, he's back for Louisville. He, but if you assume that they take away what he can do on the ground, uh, the Air Force run defense grades seventh best. They're the seventh best tackling team in the country per PFF. And you say, okay, well, Cunningham's got to make his hay through the air. Well, if you take a look at Louisville's wide receiver room right now, Jordan Watkins, their leading wide receiver, transfer portal, he's not playing. Justin Marshall, fourth leading wide receiver, transfer portal, not playing. 
the bowl game too deep at wide receiver has two walk-ons and TJ Lewis, who's a converted quarterback, hasn't taken a snap at wide receiver all year. They're all listed on the two deep. There's four scholarship wide receivers available for this game for Louisville. And I just think Air Force grinds them down. And again, this is one of those games where you you never have to question motivation for Air Force. You know that they want they're 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 taking this as seriously as any other game all season. Uh, this is a huge deal for them. Louisville probably didn't want to play in the first responder bowl. You know, they they thought, well, they, they'd probably be in a better bowl game. They they probably assumed that they were going to be in a better situation here. They didn't think they were going to finish six and six and have to play in this crumb bum bowl game. But along the way, they probably they said, oh, well, what are we going to do? Lose to Kentucky or lose to Virginia? Yep. Well, you lost to both those teams. So now here's where you are. Uh, and I, I just I think that when you've when you've got that motivation angle and you can't stop the run, it's hard for me to to want to back Louisville really in any way. So I, I, I'm probably going to have a play on Air Force by the time this this thing kicks off. Yeah, if there was a side, in, and some of it's honestly is you just being convincing, but if, if there was a side in this that I would lean towards, it would be Air Force because anytime again, like they're, whenever they're an underdog, I sort of light up to all the service academies, if it's a good team, if it's, you know, and, and this year, especially if it's army or it's air force and they're an underdog, they love that. Those are the the types of games where you just sort of blindly say, I think it's more likely than not that they would, they would cover that. But again, some of Louisville's more spirited efforts, especially in conference, they've got guys on the field that you're just not going to see that same level of athleticism from air force. And are they able to exploit that? Uh, but again, to me, in this one, out of everything on the slate that we're talking about, this is one of the handful that I would I I would be staying away from. All right, let's go to the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. I think that's the champion for biggest mouthful bowl game this year, or at least in this group of them. Uh, third straight ACC game we're going to look at, the North Carolina State Wolfpack against UCLA. And obviously it's Southern California. There's a nice home edge for UCLA. But that's about the only – that's about the end of the advantages I was able to find for UCLA here. Uh, NC State, I think, is motivated to get 10 wins. It's happened one time in school history. So they're looking for the second 10-win season in the history of their program. And one thing – the reason why they've been really good this year is they've been really good defensively, especially against the run. 3.8 yards per carry. They grade 22nd against the run per PFF. That's going to make it tough on UCLA, who really – that's their identity is to run the football. So if they're going to, if they're going to force Dorian Thompson Robinson into a, being a pocket passer, I, I think UCLA's offense is just going to struggle. And on the other side, the Wolfpack want to throw the ball and where the Bruins weak on defense secondary 111th in passing yards allowed 95th in pass rush, meaning Devin Leary is going to have time to work. Devin Leary set the NC state record for passing touchdowns in a season this year already at 35. I, I looked at the top 10 list for them. The top 10 list of North Carolina state quarterbacks and for single season touchdowns is all NFL quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Mike Glennon, Ryan Finley, Jacoby Brissett. That's who the, the entire the, – the two through 10 is made up of those guys. Number one is Devin Leary. I think it's a juicy matchup for this passing offense. And one last thing to consider is UCLA's schedule. 
UCLA's got eight wins this year. Zero wins came against a team with a 500 or, re- or better record. Like they, all they did was beat teams. They've got, they've got to win over one bowl eligible team, and that's Hawaii, who's bowl eligible with an under 500 record. So this is, I think, a, a really overrated UCLA team. And I think this is a pretty good North Carolina State team. So you're, you're making it a one-point spread, one, one and a half. I, I like the Wolfpack here. I'm with you 100% on this one. If you had told me lay all of the bowl-eligible teams out in the Power Five, what would be one of the worst matchups for this team to have to go up against? I would have said UCLA absolutely should not play NC State. And a lot of that has to do with what you were talking about up front, really on both sides. I think NC State will win – especially with their defensive line, but even on their offensive side of the ball, I think they will win the battle up front all game. I think they'll bring the fight to UCLA, and I I love NC State. I know I gave out another earlier on the money line. This one is – I know – well, actually, they're the the minus one here. So I like them. Effectively, a pick Earlier in the week, I think this started at a pick and moved to minus one for NC State. But I like NC State in this game. I like them to win outright. I also think it's important to note – how close NC State was to having a, a really special year. They lost by 14 to, to Mississippi State earlier in the year when Mississippi State was really rolling. And then their two losses in conference at Miami by a point and then at Wake Forest by a field goal. So yeah, they've been playing good football for a long time, and their two losses were to two decent teams. The, the, the loss to Miami looks worse. You know, The back half of the season for Miami wasn't great, but it was a one-point conference loss on the road. I mean, you can forgive that. And then Wake, they really had a chance to win that game. So I think NC State is the better team. And again, just from a matchup perspective, this is not the style of football that UCLA is is great at. And anytime they get in a matchup where up front it turns into a rock fight, I would lean heavily towards NC State. I, I like them at minus one. All right, we got some agreement there. Let's look at the guaranteed rate bowl. Minnesota minus four and a half against West Virginia. Yeah, I can, I'll lead off on this one. This one was, was pretty simple to me as well. I think Minnesota is the better team outright, and I think it's not really close. I think the four and a half. Uh, some of this, I think, is because of Minnesota's inability to be consistent. But going back and looking at a couple of their wins late in the season, especially over a team like Wisconsin, playing better football towards the end of the season. But they do have... You go back and look, they've got a couple losses on the schedule where you're like, what was going on there? How how did you lose to a couple of these teams when they did, where they end up at eight and four and, and really probably should have been a 10-win team? Um, but I worry about West Virginia being able to score the ball. If they, if they got to any sort of score with a two in front of it, I would be impressed. I don't think they get there. Uh, I like Minnesota in this game. I like them closer to a touchdown. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. No Letty Brown for West Virginia, who is basically their entire offense. So how how are the Mountaineers going to run the football? No one left on their roster has rushed for even 300 yards this year. The closest to that number is their backup quarterback, Garrett Green. And Minnesota is, uh, uh, you know, before you even talk about what West Virginia's got on offense – they're hard to run against to begin with. They're ninth in yards per game allowed on the ground. They're 10th in yards per game allowed through the air. This is a legit defense. There's no easy recipe to put up offense on this Gophers team. And West Virginia, like in the past, their identity has been stop the run, stop the run. 
That's not the case this year. And, and despite losing uh, Ibrahim early in the season, the Gophers' run attack has remained kind of the strength of their offense. And P.J. Fleck, I don't know about you, he strikes me as a guy who's going to have his team ready. He's going to have them motivated. He's going to make them take this seriously. And I, I think that I think that Minnesota could get a, a, a blowout win here. I, I totally agree with you on P.J. Fleck because he – it's hard to tell with all of these coaches how invested they actually are in their program. And I may just be eating the cheese here, but he does strike me as a guy that is actually trying to build something for his half of the conference in the big 10. And these bowl games matter for those reasons where he's saying, look on our half of the conference, it's still wide open. And I, I pulled it up just to go back through them losses against Bowling Green and Illinois. I think they're trying to avenge those because they really, again, they should, this should have been a 10 win team. And if things go a little different for them, especially if they have been able to pull out the win against Iowa, they're the ones representing the Big Ten West in the Big Ten Championship. So it's a it, it potentially a, a different story for them, and I think they get a chance to write some of that if they win this bowl game. So I totally agree with you. P.J. Fleck is the type of staff that I think will make sure his guys are right mentally and physically and ready to go for this game. All right, let's get into the good stuff, into the best bets portion of the program. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Go ahead and give us your best bet for the week. I, I looked at this a number of ways, and I, I sort of started to simplify it down because I thought I just think that the line is wrong. I think it's it's really not even close. I love the Houston Cougars plus two and a half against Auburn. Houston at 11 and two, I know – the score, the way it ended up against Cincinnati, ended up a little lopsided, and I gave them out as my best bet during the championship weekend. But a pass interference completely changed that game and altered momentum, and Houston just could not get back on the right side of it. But for you know, two and a half quarters of that game, they were right there with a Final Four team. And I don't care what anybody says. Maybe it's not a Final Four team on your power rankings, but it's a top 10 team in college football, and Houston was right there with them in their backyard on a championship Saturday. I struggle to give Auburn the benefit of the doubt against any team that's ranked. And at two and a half, I don't think Auburn warrants that. I, there's nothing about – you've seen some of the moves in the transfer portal already, obviously Bo Nix being the big one, but a, a couple other key players for them that have moved into the transfer portal. I like Houston in this game. I like them to win, and I, I certainly like them at plus two and a half. Yeah, this was honestly one of the tougher games for me to look at. And, you know, Bo Nix transferring to Oregon kind of put up some red flags to me. And then they were like, a Tank, Tank Bigsby entered the transfer portal. And I was like, uh-oh, now it's really kind of falling apart. But then they announced that he's going to return to Auburn and presumably play in this bowl game. But there's still Roger McCreary, the cornerback, uh, Zacoby McClain, linebacker, their right tackle, uh, Bodacious Ham. They, they all opted out. Their, their starting center, Nick Brahms, is out. He had a surgery. Uh, so a lot of – I mean, a lot of this Auburn Tigers team isn't going to be what you thought it was. I, and I thought maybe, you know, the motivation lean would be to Auburn because Harson it went from being like a, a pretty good season to a disaster in a hurry, and I don't think that's, that's the taste he wants to have left in his mouth. Uh, but I, I just don't know if the bodies are going to be there to do it. And on the other side – UH is going to be without Marcus Jones, which is a big – that's a big loss. He was the Paul Horning winner this season, the most versatile player in college football. He's going to enter the draft, so they're going to be without their best corner and their best return man. 
And I also, I don't think it's unreasonable to doubt UH's strength of schedule. Their best wins SMU. And other than that, we've got a lot of, well, they almost did this or they almost did that. But it just feels like this Auburn team, what we saw early in the season, it doesn't feel like that's, I mean, well, from personnel point, it's certainly not the same squad that it was early in the season. But it doesn't feel like the same team that, everyone was excited about when they, you know, they beat LSU and they gave, they really were one of the only, they were, I think they were the first team to really kind of push Georgia a little bit, at least for a little while. And then they went on the road and they won at Arkansas and they, they beat Ole Miss by double digits. And then things just fell apart. And you, you can forgive losing at A&M. You can forgive losing to Alabama losing at South Carolina, like if you're a serious team, you can't do that. So I, I and the other game, the other game I thought about the Penn state game, remember the beginning of the year, like Auburn hung right there with Penn state. Like they, it felt like Auburn was a legit team until after that A&M loss. And then they lost, they ended up losing their final four games of the season. So just the wheels have come off. So um, I, I'm with, I, I'm not as strong on it as you. And I know Houston has had, they've got a good track record, in bowl games against power five competition. Uh, so that that's another sign that tells me, okay, this, these guys are getting up for this game. They're excited to be in the Birmingham bowl. Obviously the, you know, you talk about the Birmingham bowl. It's, there's going to be a, a huge crowd advantage for Auburn. Uh, but I I'm with you. I, I think getting Houston as the dog here was the only side I could look at. Again, this comes down to me to in a bowl game where, Effort is going to be at a premium. Which side? If because this is if you put this at a pick'em, just make it simple. Who do you think is going to come out and actually give a shit? To me, it's Houston, and it's actually a team that had a chance. I mean, if they beat Texas Tech in their opener, which they had a fourth quarter, Clayton Toon played maybe his worst quarter of the whole season. They blow that lead. They would have been undefeated going into the conference championship against Cincinnati. Hung tough with them as well, and I don't know. I. I may have too much faith put into them, but I, I do think they win this game. All right. And let's do my best bet now. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bibbity. My favorite. Mississippi State minus nine and a half now against Texas Tech. And I don't know about you. I got excited when this bowl got announced because it's the Mike Leach Bowl. Uh, like that just alone, that's, that's all I needed. Uh, you know Mike Leach is going to be motivated. Mike Leach has thought about one thing since the bowls were announced. It's a one-track mind right now. On the other side, Sonny Cumbie, he's going to coach, uh, but he's been pretty busy. He's been named Louisiana Tech's head coach. So when you talk about focus, it seems like it might be difficult to focus on two jobs at once. I don't know. Uh, again, like I said, Mike Leach, I, I know he's only focused on one job. And then matchup-wise – this is ugly for Texas Tech. They are outside the top 100 in pass rush. They are outside the top 100 in coverage. They are 118th in passing yards allowed per game. And now they're going to see an air raid offense that is just humming. And Will Rogers completes three out of every four passes he's thrown this season. That's crazy. He's thrown for just under 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns. Texas Tech, they're not going to have Tyler show. Tyler Shuck. I get. I keep saying that. Shuck. Tyler Shuck. 
I don't know why it's pronounced Shuck. S H O. Because it doesn't look like Shuck. It shouldn't be Shuck, but that whatever. Who am I? I'm not his parents. They they're going to be without him, so they're shuffling quarterbacks. They've announced that Donovan Smith is going to start. He, he came into the season as the third string quarterback. Uh, this is just a, a terrible matchup. Like if you could throw the ball all over Mississippi State, I'd say okay, well they, they can hang in there. I don't think they can do that. I think the the wheels have fallen off at Texas Tech. I mean, I I think firing Matt Wells was was probably the right thing to do. I just don't think that they're gonna that anything has changed that's gonna fix them this season. And Mike Leach has motivation, and he has the talent to run it up on this team. And I can't think of a team in the world he would rather run it up on than Texas Tech. So my best bet's going to be Mississippi State minus nine, nine and a half versus Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl. What do you think on this one? I will tell you a story. In 2013, we win 10 games, win conference, feeling pretty high and mighty, get rewarded with the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, New Year's Eve, night game. We get Mississippi State, and they're six and six. Now, they had Dak Prescott and Bernard McKinney and a couple other stud players. But what I do know that will translate to this game is it is still a night game. It is still in Memphis, and it's a home game. It's a home game for Mississippi State. They are allowed to bring the cowbells into the stadium, and it is incredibly loud. It's louder than you could possibly imagine for playing in the Liberty Bowl, which I played there a few times, a quote-unquote neutral site game, and – I'm with you on this one. I think Mississippi State already is is the better team in this game. And for all of the reasons that we've laid out, I'll put it this way. There is, I don't know what the number would have to get to for me to te- take Texas Tech, but it is certainly double digits. So I'm, I'm with you. I hope it hits. Uh, I, I Again, I don't wish anybody – having to play Mississippi State in the Liberty Bowl because it's just an extension of Starkville. Well, there you have it. Best bets are in the books. All the games leading up to uh, next Wednesday, and that's when we will record once again. Uh, We'll do all the games from Wednesday up through, uh, I guess that'll be through the the first four of the uh of the of the championship series so we'll like basically we're going to do all the rest of the the games up until you know the national championship game uh in our next podcast and so obviously we'll well and then we'll have another pod before the national championship game get you ready for that one probably won't be too long but we'll both give our handicaps for the game uh probably work in some props things like that but uh again we were we will be back same time as normal next Tuesday uh, with the with the rest of the games. So enjoy these games. There's there's some next week's games are better. Obviously, as you get deeper in the season, the games get better, more watchable. But also, like you know, you've got options here. You can watch the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day, or you can talk to your uncle about woodworking. Uh, I. I know what I'll pick this is all I'm saying. Woodworking. So, uh, <laughs> so Taylor, uh, appreciate you coming in, man. And uh, glad to have you back from jolly old England. Was There was some uh, debate on Twitter that people were saying that uh, when I went to London, I thought the food was bad. I thought the beer was always warm. So, and then someone said, the food's not bad there. Okay. Uh, you can be the tiebreaker. How'd you feel about the food in England? Yeah. I, I saw that tweet. I would say, I, I live in Austin, Texas. I would say 
there is certainly no yeah. Tex-Mex in London. Um, but we were with friends that lived there. They were excellent hosts. We got to have some incredible food at some places that never in 50 visits there would I have found some of these places. Um, so we enjoyed it. Food was good, but it's not. It, it's not what we have in the States. I'll put it that way. I th- and I think maybe that guy, pro- he probably lived in some shithole place where there's no good food. <laughs> you live in Austin. I live, I mean, we both lived in Houston before. I live in Vegas. Now, there's really good food in some of these towns. I, I don't know where that guy lives. I don't, he might live in, like, uh, Bakersfield, California, for all I know. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It could be, like, Sioux Falls. I, but maybe the food sucks there and English food is delicious. But where i'm where i come from that american food can't be beat uh but the beer is definitely warm there's no argument on that i don't know why british people don't make their beer cold nothing's cold there except for the weather but no no ice in anything and you know somebody from sioux falls is gonna (laughs) hear this is come after you without fail when you come after me from Sioux Falls, I want you to tweet me what your favorite restaurant there is. Yeah, give us the best restaurants yeah. in Sioux Falls, please. <laughs> so next time I go there, uh, or Manhattan, Kansas, because I've tried to find a good restaurant there. There isn't one. So if, if you've got one, let me know. All right. Uh, for Taylor, I am AJ. Thanks to McKenzie and Brad for running the show. We will talk to you guys next week. Good luck, and let's get some money. Let's do it. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.